Nobody puts Biden in a corn maze. Hello and welcome to episode number 163 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Monday, May 24th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America just outside of Chirac where this weekend, 11 people shot and killed, 41 shot and wounded. That's 52. Yes. And from America's left coast where all math students are finally going to be equal, but I won't be driving over any bridges they build. I'm Ryan Pemrose. <laughs> Wait, you mean you don't trust the engineers who don't believe in math and they're like, no, well, just do what feels good. Not after I just read this this new 2022 recommendation for curriculum that came out of the state of California. Well, this it's, is an issue. It's, uh, they're, they're adding a new system that puts all students on a common pathway. The statistics that they cited is that, um, they have a, an accelerated math program across high schools in, in California. Well, that that's racist. Take, yeah, it, it, it is. That's the problem. Uh, it lets you take algebra starting in eighth grade and calculus as a senior if you're in the accelerated, so it, you know, college prep and all that. And, uh, their statistics are that 32% of Asians in the California school system are in the accelerated math, but only 8% of whites, 4% of black students, and 3% of Latino students are in that program. That is racist, apparently, and therefore must be done away with. So they are eliminating the advanced uh, accelerated math program. You know, it's unfair for those people that are good at math to be able to get paid more because they're good at math. Yeah, how dare they? The rest how of us dare can't they do. be competent enough at engineering to build bridges that don't fall over? This is going to be a long-term domino effect that we are going to be feeling. I mean, those that survive it, this, who drive over the bridges that uh, don't collapse. <laughs> well, this also this isn't the the this isn't the beginning of it. Remember that these students who are currently struggling to get into advanced math courses, especially the ones. These are the ones who 10 years ago were suffering through common core math. These are people who don't have basic arithmetic skills because Bill Gates decided to fuck that up 10 years ago. Well, a lot of people did. The concept that the education system would rather push you in. Most teachers, I mean, the ones that aren't good anyway, would rather push the kid along to the next grade. If, even if they can't read, write, do simple math. Rather than hold them back because, you know, that's horrible to hold somebody back well, here or also from a purely selfish perspective, if you're the teacher, which students do you want to get rid of? Like, oh, you go to the next grade. I don't want to deal with you anymore. Well, it's right. And it depends if there's different subsets, of course, because there are kids that maybe just aren't good at math, but are trying. And then you have another part which just don't give a crap and never are going to give a crap. And those are the ones I think they get pushed through because of an attitude. Nobody wants to deal with it. And well, uh, this I, is I, okay. I, I firmly believe that everybody needs to learn arithmetic. That that is just existing in this. You, you are at a significant disadvantage in this society if you don't know enough math to be able to calculate a tip on your bill or something. 
But well, see, but now your phone does everything for you. I was going to say when I was growing up and well, you you're about close enough to the same age. If you wanted to get a job at the fast food place or working retail, you had to understand how to give change. Oh, yeah, I had to. I don't learn that that stupid counting up like, you know, if the the total was, you know, 566 and you'd be like, okay, and here's four pennies is 570 and a nickel is 575 and a quarter is 580 or. Wow. Okay. Speaking of not. It's been a while. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's how math is being taught today. Right. Except that what what I didn't have back then when I was being taught this was I didn't have the boxes on the, the, the squares on the paper to put little draw little pyramids in to explain my common factors or whatever the hell common core is. I, I you know, I don't know. A common core is is a concept the 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 math diagrams or whatever the hell they taught it is it gets a lot of disdain from people in the older generation, partly because it's stupid and partly probably mostly because it's unfamiliar. It's like I memorized multiplication tables. Well, not everybody's good at rote memorization. So if if the new system works for you, that's great. But if the new system isn't working or isn't working well, which I think there's ample opportunity to realize that that math scores and standardized tests have gone way down with the common core generation. So obviously it wasn't the best option. Maybe we should go on a different course. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's the a lot of people that cry for diversity for a whole lot of things now want equity for things and it doesn't make sense because i do believe everybody has a talent everybody has something they're good at some are better than you know there's people that are way better at me for doing math or playing sure. guitar and there's you know people that i'm better at doing certain things and why is it a bad thing to find and- what people excel at and encourage them to continue to excel. Why do we need to bring people down now? Because not everybody can do math or science or whatever More as good as they can. Not, not every job needs to have a STEM graduate. Not a, if, if you're crap at math, don't go into engineering. Don't go, go into something that doesn't require a, a basic grasp of math, like like writing up Democrat budgets or something. And <laughs> well, that's then, creative math. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's all fantasy. That's like if you did really well in creative writing and uh, then yeah, anyway. So uh, I pulled some quotes from the uh, actually the, the Epoch Times pulled some quotes. They they went through the. Um, the new every single one of the PDFs that California put out because they put out a whole lot of text that basically said, you know, math is racist and we're going to dumb down everyone. Um, here, see, districts and schools must confront the structural inequities of tracking and ability grouping. So we can't we can't put people into groups of ability anymore because that causes structural inequity. Uh, see, uh. Those that have been privileged by the current system must be willing to give up that privilege for more equitable schooling. This is the people deciding your curriculum. More are saying equitable. are saying that your your kids have to give up their education because they're too privileged. Right, and it's the, horrible that somebody is better at school than somebody else. Get your kids out of these school systems. Any school system where they want to say that your kids are privileged and have to give up their privilege for more equitable schooling. That means that this school is failing your kid. Uh, yeah. So, uh, oh, by the way, um, Oregon doing something similar. 
Um, I pulled uh, just just a one one long quote out of the opening paragraph of the Oregon one. They don't they don't have a full new curriculum yet, but they're they're definitely signaling it. Um, Our goal in Oregon is to set the table for mathematics learning in a new way, one that invites every learner to the table and helps students feel an authentic sense of belonging, purpose and joy throughout their K-12 learning. Join us in reimagining how we design the system so that it serves our students and ensures that students build in their inherent strengths to make sense of mathematics and apply learning to solve real world problems of tomorrow. An equitable mathematics system intentionally broadens participation and engagement of all students, harnessing cultural, linguistic and mathematical competencies that they bring to the classroom. I wish I had a bell because we that would be <laughs> when that word shows up. How, how many buzzwords were in that? Yeah, well, there's a lot, but equity is the main one because the path that this is going down will be. I don't think we're far away from and maybe it will get there even in college, but I think we're really getting close to the anything under that anything up through high school being. Well, we can't give grades anymore. That's that's mean. That's cruel to give grades and say one student is better than another. And if if you're a rational thinking human being and you don't understand the destruction that is going to do to a whole generation of kids that will just never be pushed to actually learn because the bar is going to be pulled really low. This is exactly the same thing socialism does with money which is not everybody gets to be rich. Everybody gets and, to be poor. This is not, not everybody gets to be smart. Everybody gets to be ignorant. But, gee, we're all in it together. That is what this is about. It's the difference between equity and, and equality. It's it's the uh, equality of outcome versus equality of opportunity, where equality of opportunity is is a basic prerequisite for any kind of freedom and absolutely necessary for a functioning society. Uh, Equality of outcome is one of the most horrifying and divisive and destructive ideologies that has ever been inflicted on a society. And what we have here is uh, educators in, in in this case, in left coast states who no longer accept that some students might be better than others. And therefore, in order in order to maintain the illusion that all students are equally capable they are teaching to the least common denominator this is no child left behind run amok this is now it's it's come completely full circle it's now all children left behind because we can't possibly teach anything that one retard autistic person is incapable of understanding so everybody gets the same useless education yeah it is the lowest common denominator that we cannot go up above because the person with that skill level is now we that would be that would be wrong to have other people smarter than them. So let's just make everybody the absolute dumbest that they can be so we all feel better. And who wins in this case? Well, no, it's it can't be the people running the government that are the ones now universal yeah. basic income for the people that think this is great. For somebody else to be able to decide how much money you are worth, that you have to just like stand in line to beg for some scraps rather than be the you know driver of your own destiny, it's insane. But this is what it's going to get to. It's it, it's how socialism works. It's how communism works. It is it is everyone in the public is is forced to be equally miserable and in equal poverty, except for the 
the inevitably corrupt party members who, you know, the, the people who are being sold socialism are being sold. Well, you know, they're given the, oh, well, the rich are way too rich and the poor are way too poor. And there's way too much equity. And the difference between the rich and poor is too much, which is probably true because the, the difference between Jeff Bezos and a, a podcaster in terms of income is pretty damn significant. Yeah. And where's our more equity? But the the solution is not to to try to force equality of outcome on everybody, because what you're doing is you're taking almost everybody and forcing them into that very bottom bucket. You're taking the party members like Bezos, like uh, AOC, like all the uh, anybody who's in on the party becomes corrupt enough to be able to rise above that. And then you widen the gap. You think that the difference between the billionaires and the common people is bad. Now watch what happens when it's all legally required that if you're in the party, you become a billionaire and otherwise you'd better be standing in lines for gas. Can't we just make Bezos a podcaster? Um, we, we might be able to, but, uh, I don't, I, I, I don't think I have that power yet. Yeah, we can get there. We have a lot of reach on Grumpy Old Ben's. Yeah. I don't well, think we're quite there. We are getting there. I will say I was uh, pleased and amused that you and I were both mentioned on Adam Curry and Dave Jones podcast, the podcast index uh, 2.0 podcast index.org. The podcasting 2.0 is the name of oh, the yeah. show. And, uh, and Dave, he admitted to listening to Grumpy Old Ben's because somebody was complaining that they couldn't stream value because of the fact of a pod friend wasn't working in the one app. And Dave said he had listened to a couple of shows. And I was like, well, wait, was the uh, was the Chinese water torture device being repaired? Or did you do this uh, you know, purposefully? And he, he said it was a good show. But I could tell when he mentioned you had a couple of questions about the way all this stuff was working and how they were um, kind of taking all of the data. And your question was like, well, doesn't this just add another point of failure doesn't this just kind of centralize everything in a way and he mentioned that question to adam curry but just the way dave jones said bemrose there was a little <laughs> disdain in it i'm like oh he's a grumpy old ben's listener i can I, tell I, i'm i'm surprised you didn't clip it and use it in the pre-show it was like but- bemrose you know there was just a certain I, 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 you know what? A, a lot of developers, I, I've I've had this my entire career. A lot of developers do not react well to testers because testers exist. We're here for the purpose of taking the beautiful cathedral you've just built in code and tearing it down. Now, the end result of doing it, if you're well, if you're a good tester and not just an asshole, then the end result is that you end up building something better that's more secure that's going to stand up to the wind and the and the masses of pitchforks outside but as a tester i am the first person to tell a developer that his stuff sucks and so i get that reaction a lot well Uh, you're trying to break the stuff before the general public does so it can be fixed and and the the specific thing in the podcast 2.0 and i'm 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 not going to rag on dave for this he is he is doing uh, an incredible stuff with from from scratch and uh, you know, he's he's got uh, an impressive hype man at his side, but Adam doesn't code. So it's pretty much all Dave. And so Dave is trying to figure out how do I solve the entire problem with everything in RSS, or everything in, in podcasting. And it's not an easy one. But uh, in, in this particular case, it had to do with the pod ping 
system that that he's setting up where uh the so the as i understand it the the core of the problem is that there's you know three and a half million rss feeds with podcasts out there and if you happen to run an aggregator and i know you don't and i know i don't but dave does believe it or not uh if you happen to run an aggregator um querying three and a half million rss feeds over and over and over again is a huge resource drain. And yes. not only that, but if you're a podcast hosting company and you host a hundred thousand of those feeds, then your aggregate, the aggregators are going to be querying your web server using your bandwidth to get the RSS feeds. RSS feeds are not huge uh, unless you're congressional dish and put your entire show notes in the feed, but um, they're not usually huge. So, okay. Um, but, it's a it's a drain on bandwidth. So he's trying to solve the problem of of how do we know whether or not it's updated? Because right. if you're polling a feed, you pull a feed every six hours, but it updates once a week. That is a ton of, of downloading the feed that you nothing changed. Right. It's a way better system when we release Grumpy Old Ben's, you know, normally twice a week that when we do that, if there was a system that allowed our servers to go out to the world and go, hey, new show, rather than having incoming checking every hour or whatever, makes a lot more sense. So that's what Dave is developing. And he, he, he you know, everything about podcasting 2.0, I, I like because uh, you know, one of the things that they're talking about is, is uh, they're not assuming that podcast index is going to be the only aggregator. They're, they're saying, let's build a system that anybody can stand up an aggregator who wants to blow you know, a thousand dollars a month on AWS instances or something. Right. Uh, but I, I, it's, I mean, there are companies out there who are going to be like, uh, actually, we want our own index for podcasts. OK, so they're trying to build a system where podcast index is one of the aggregators. It's decentralized. I like it. But when he was describing the system, one of the first things that he said was, well, we're going to have a uh, it, it was something they mentioned in the show uh, a week ago last Friday. Uh, they said. We're we're going to have uh, a system where uh, any approved hosts can go ahead and and ping this URL and then we'll know to check the RSS feed and update. It. And I again, I, I don't have the ability to just listen as as a listener or even a podcaster. I was thinking as a tester, like, whoa, 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 whoa. There was one word in there. Approved hosts. Who's who's doing the approval? Who who's who, who's deciding? And um, that was what led to this. and. I understand where they're going with this. The, the, the system and, and Dave spent a significant amount of time talking about it using my name over and over again. And, and I appreciate using my name, but now I'm talking about you. So there. <laughs> Dave, you're welcome to come on Grumpy Old Ben anytime <laughs> Actually, you want. I, I'd, I'd love to have that conversation, but, um, what are you doing? That was a cat jumping <laughs> on top of my computer. She knows she's not supposed to be there. And now I've got a bunch of crap on the floor. Yeah, that sounded, uh, <laughs> that sounded like, what's going on? What's going on there? That was, that was the cat. Actually, that was the cat being pulled to the floor by her tail. Uh, and along with everything else on the desk that she could grab. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. So, um, the system that they have set up now is, uh, that they, they, uh, and by the way, this, this is honestly one of the first applications where somebody's like, we have a problem. I know I'll use a blockchain. And usually the pin punchline to that is, okay, now you have two problems, but <laughs> it, it it's actually might be the way to go 
because what you, you know, what you're looking for, a blockchain is, uh, ignore all the hype, a blockchain is just, uh, an online de- tabulation. Uh, it, it's a list. It is, it is a very long list that's constantly being added to, and the whole list is always available in public. That's kind of like you, you can add to it, but you can never remove from it that there's some characteristics. And the list of a podcast updated is now on a blockchain for at least a couple of hosts that have been approved. Uh, the, the system that they've got set up and they've got working and I, I even checked it out. Uh, I, I, it, at least the data looks cool. Um, the system is that uh, the host will add a line to the blockchain and then their system will see this and then know to go update the, the RSS feed in the aggregator. It all works, but the thing that I'm still not sure is solved and, and I'm not going to give them crap about this because it's, it's still early, but it is that in the current version, you still have to go to Dave and send him an email or something and be like, Hey, I'm going to be adding my pings to the, to the blockchain. Right. Can you please pay attention to them? Because he only, he only pays attention to the hosts that are, and, Maybe that's how it goes long term, but that doesn't feel open to decentralized. It still feels like, uh, you know, either you have a central authority or every single podcaster who hosts their own stuff instead of going through one of the big hosting companies has to go to each aggregator and say, please, I'd like to to be able to listen to my updates. And um, I don't know, I, I'm I'm not really seeing the path to getting to a decentralized system with this. But I have a lot of faith in the people working on that. Well, I think you're getting there. What this is, I believe, is a temporary stopgap to keep spam off of the system. And I think that's the one step that just needs to be worked on now, which is why your your system has to be blessed. And what we're talking about is having a way for when podcasts update. So if we update Grumpy Old Ben's, we don't use one of these hosting servers, and I want to talk about the hosting servers too, but we are independent completely. We just go, we rent some web space from a company who has nothing to do with podcasting. We upload just our, a web host, right? Not and not one of these they, fancy. They, they, you know, no, ones. they they offer storage and bandwidth, and that's kind of it. <laughs> Which is all you need. Although a lot of people seemingly want to pay way more to get way less with a lot of these podcasting hosts. Because I've looked up a lot of them and like, well, what would we get extra by going with X, Y, Z? And as of yet, I've never found a compelling reason to change from what we're doing. But since we aren't on one of those now, if we were on a platform on a web host that was podcast specific, well, then they would be in charge kind of of making sure people knew that our show was updated and all that. And as you know, they can take if they have a thousand shows. Well, they can instantaneously tell something like this, the aggregator that, oh, boom, all of these shows have been updated where we only have our own show. We're not a part of anything else. We don't have any network. So we would have to go individually and be like, hey, Dave, approve uh, us. Yeah. And then once you're approved, and though, it, then it's fine. Well, sure. But uh, again, you know, next next question is, how does that scale? OK, so most podcasts are with hosts and I think it'll if, scale if, okay once they have an anti-spam thing built in, so it's you. The robots can't just add a thousand feeds a, a second. 
Well, uh, but what I mean is, is right now the script has, uh, it has a, an if then ladder that says if it's, uh, I, I, I don't remember exactly which host it was, a uh, Buzzsprout, but it was something. Anyway, it was, if it's this host, I'm going to use hosts I know aren't in. If, like, if it's Anchor or if it's Libsyn, then go ahead and, and pay attention to that feed. Otherwise, disregard. That's kind of what the script does. And when that list is, is all, 27 of the major hosting providers and all 114 of the minor hosting providers and all 120,000 of the independent podcasters, that script starts to take a really long time to run. Uh, I, I, I don't feel like that's going to scale to the size of a decentralized podcasting, but I might be in, in uh, 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 some kind of a fantasy land where I think that there are going to be that many podcasters willing to do what we're doing and, and publish a podcast without going through one of the major hosts. Right. And there are a ton of the hosts out there. And that is an intriguing thing because that's, it's starting to feel way more. Um, your ability to be canceled seems way higher when you're with one of these other platforms that have other shows rather than, you know, somebody just targeting a, a host like we're using, which has nothing to do with podcasting. And I'm sure there are advantages of using these other ones, but it was intriguing to me at the large amount of podcasts that are using one of those services. I think we are in a big minority. I mean, or a small minority. I think there's only a few people who are doing the thing the way we are, which, as you said, you're just getting a web host. They provide bandwidth. They provide storage. You do everything else on your own. So there's nothing built in. And a lot of podcasters aren't tech guys. So I guess I get that. They don't even want to install WordPress. Although I think every host out there lets you press one button and install WordPress. And then you just have to install something like the Blueberry add-on that, that we have that does a really good job of creating oh, your RSS yeah. feed and all that without you having to do any work. Best thing that Blueberry did. I mean, Blueberry is a hosting company, and they're 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 a good hosting company. If you want to host a feed, they they they're quite capable and good at it. But the best thing that I think they did was create the plugin that can be used for anybody who wants to install WordPress on a website to automatically create the RSS feed. And uh, you know, every time I use it, I think about, oh, I need to add this feature. I need to add this feature. But that's just what I do. Um, it's it's pretty good. It definitely makes creating the RSS feed nice, especially once you get all the podcast 2.0 namespace features in. Well, and that's it. And even Blueberry is still behind. They don't allow or they don't have it set up, I should say, for the value tag, which we are now using. And you have to go in and manually edit the code. And I've because of this, I now realize that Blueberry updates that WordPress plugin about once or twice a week, it seems, because every time now that it needs to be updated, I have it set not to automatically update. I have to go in, cut and paste the couple lines of the value that it needs to be in the header, then manually update, then disable it for a minute, edit that feed file one more time and repost it. So they are keeping up with this, which is good. But I wish well, at they least would... it's all seamless. <laughs> yeah, it seems seamless on the other end. It is very old school, which is why Midas over from Fun Fact Friday was like, I'm just going back to do everything by hand. And I'm like, wait, that seems like a lot more work <laughs> than 
you know, using something like this. Although, I mean, it's probably less work than if I were doing it, where I'd probably emit a PowerShell script that did it for me. Just press a button and be done. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's not hard when you know what needs to be in an RSS feed to get the stuff into it. But, you know, that is the problem for me when you go with one of these hosts, you may not get that opportunity that we have within even the plugin in WordPress, you may not have the ability to edit that feed. I mean, that may be only the host that can do it, which is why it's a big deal when these podcasting hosts have added a lot of these features now for podcasting 2.0. And, you know, Leo Laporte, what a dick. I mean, the quote he had about this whole thing not being about keeping podcasting free and independent and it only being about keeping uh, the crazies like Alex Jones on a, on a listing. It's like, you know, Leo is obviously very bitter and his business is failing. So I guess I can understand why he's bitter, but I can see a lot of value in what is being done. And, you know, Adam took it to task a little bit me saying, well, the question is, will the listeners, will the producers, will your experts all jump on board? and start doing value in this way. And I think that's a valid question. And, you know, he said, well, you have to ask. It's like, well, we have been asking. We have been asking people, you know, even long before this came up, we are a value for value podcast. So we ask people to support the show. There is a new way to do that. There are new applications that you can use to do that, which you can find at newpodcastapps.com. There's the plug. And yeah, and it's even the people involved with this, including uh, Podfriend, which I've been following along, which uh, I enjoy having an app, and they're still working on getting all these kinks uh, ironed out. But my ideal podcast app would be one that if I'm listening to something on my phone, which I do quite often, but then don't finish the podcast. If I can then fire it up on my desktop and resume from where I left off on the phone, I think that would be great. And I would also like to I be think, able to do that on Android and Apple and have it all synced up among. I think that's that's one of the, the pie in the sky ideas that Adam has for for coming up, allowing the, the podcast namespace to put in whatever metadata is necessary for the apps to share data in a structured way, which I think I, is going to be what is needed for things like having a. Uh, decentralized chat for doing yeah. comments and things like that but this they they're able to do if you if the app writer has amongst different platforms and they have a login because that's again you're going to need the login because otherwise how do they know how to tie these in together but that part looks like well yeah but they're not that good <laughs> they're not that good at the spying quite yet i'm i'm watching people in the troll room throw a lot of shade on the blockchain idea they don't like the blockchain idea. I get well, it. I, um, I mean, uh, let's see. The blockchain is a poorly designed database with database with limited scalability. What could possibly go wrong is is what Bluetooth says. And uh, uh, Progo, uh, I think Progo blew a, had an aneurysm with when he found out. Like you're replacing just HTTP head calls with blockchain. Um, here, here's the big but advantage. Not entirely. I'm, I'm, I'm really. I don't like blockchains because I think it's incredibly overhyped, but here's the one place where I think that it does excel. It is, it is nothing but a ledger, 
but it's a decentralized ledger that just about anyone can add to, uh, assuming that you actually, I mean, the, the, if you only have one person creating new blocks, then, then why are you even bothering with a blockchain? But uh, you, it is, it is a ledger that can theoretically be decentralized so that there is no central authority to manage the blocks. And it, it, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is the place where a blockchain has finally reached its, its new legitimate use or not, but. Well, and if you can't remove stuff, that would make it quite a bit harder to uh, make somebody disappear. I would guess, you know, if your show um, is on that and then, you know, it, you can't just be scrubbed into oblivion like you can with something like the Apple podcast listing. Yes, that helps. You know, I, I'm sorry, I got distracted. Progo says, does the podcast announce blockchain have a way to work around the Goatsy problem? I don't know what problem you're talking about, and I'm just going to leave that there because I'm not sure I want to know what the Goatsy <laughs> problem is. But but this sounds like a question for Dave yeah. of, of Podcast Index. And it's easy uh, to find I, Dave. He's on the Fediverse. Uh, you were talking about hosting companies, um, and, uh, centralizing things. And though, you know, the one thing about hosting companies I really like is that there are so many of them, although, uh, any given market will expand and contract. And if we go down to only two or three hosting companies, that will be a real problem right now. There's a ton of them. Uh, but I pulled up my list, just the, the code from the, uh, no agenda stream updater. Cause I wanted to go through what hosting companies, the shows on the stream are using. So, um, let's see, I've got, uh, Libsyn, um, I've got, uh, Feedburner, uh, let's see, uh, oh, this one, uh, Rhino uses archive.org. Yes, the <laughs> slowest but cheapest yeah, uh, way to go. It is, uh, Feedburner, Feedburner, Libsyn, uh, Feedburner, SoundCloud, um, it looks like, uh, yeah, about, Six of them have uh, their own hosting, uh, including both of your shows, uh, No Agenda, DH Unplugged. Um, yeah, it's uh, actually on the No Agenda stream about uh, somewhere between a third and a half are self-hosted. It, but, and I do think a big part of that is because people don't know that you can host this yourself. And that is just oh, a point I wanted to get across. I think there's, there's a, a lot of people. Beam. That are just sitting around right now going, well, if I want to start a podcast, what do I do? And then they do a, like a search for podcast host and then they pick one of those. It's like, no, you can do it yourself. It's not hard to do it yourself. It's not like you need to go with one of those hosts. Now, most of them will promise you extra stats and stuff like that. But I think at this point, uh, there's a questionable amount of return on that kind of stuff. I don't remember which company it was. Maybe it was. uh I don't even want to say because I don't want to disparage anybody, but comic strip blogger asked at one point, like, oh, why don't you guys use this host, one of these podcast specific hosts? And then I went and looked and I looked at the amount of uploads we do per month as far as the amount of megabytes and stuff. And I'm like, well, I, I could go with them, CSB, but I'd be paying more than twice as much as I am now. And it's working now. So this is not always the most, uh, the, not the most, uh, budget friendly way to go and this part of podcasting being such a independent type of media it's worrisome to me that so many people are getting pulled into so few hosts to to do it because there's thousands if not hundreds of thousands of web uh, web companies out there that you can host websites with 
And there's only a handful that really seem to specifically uh, go after podcasters and you just do your homework and understand what you're getting and what you're paying for. Because if it's a small show, the little web host that we are on, which is based out of Indiana, which I've been using for a while, for the longest time, for like the first year or year and a half of Grumpy Old Ben's, I was hosting Grumpy Old Ben's and Random Thoughts on it for seven bucks a month and was not having any issues whatsoever. Grumpy Old Ben's start getting a few more listeners. And when we, re- we released shows, we were throttling, you know, the CPU up and all that. So we had to, you know, jump to that horrible $14 a month plan. And we haven't had any problem after we upgraded to that. And I know a lot of, you know, podcasts. It sounds hosts- like what, what, what we should put together. And, and by we, I mean you, of course, is right. uh, That's where a tutorial. Going. Yeah. Just show people how to do this. Uh, it, it If you are a podcaster out there and you want to try to become independent, which makes you slightly less cancelable, um, I, we can, I, I, again, by we, I'm volunteering you, can probably help you get set up with most of that. It's really not that difficult once once you get... You get get your hosting and then you put up WordPress and you grab this plugin and and then you just, you know, you FTP or if you have to or SCP or whatever, get get your files onto the web server, make them available, get your permissions right. And and yeah. Well, yeah, that is the I, I just, just glossed over a whole lot of technical issues that a lot of people who aren't Ben's might be like, what? But, <laughs> like, what do you got? I'm trying to remember what my. uh well, what my domain was, uh, I have one like that was, uh, although I, it's now GoDaddy. Now that's parked for free. I had something like pod, uh, thought I had like podcasting ninja or something like that. So you could tell I haven't used it in a long time. And, uh, now I don't see that. So I'll have to find it. Sometimes your sites just disappear on you. Either that or, uh, there was, uh, a renewal or something that I missed. But this is what yeah. happens when you have websites. You kind of forget you have them. I thought it was podcast.ninja, but I went there and the only thing I get is, is here's instructions how to enable JavaScript in your web browser, which means it's clearly a website that sucks. <laughs> well, yeah, because you don't like, and I know it's not on, uh, not on GoDaddy, but who knows? Go see what? Oh. We will figure it out. But where you really want to go is to the uh, podcast, new podcastapps.com. I finally yes. tried one of those out from the other end because we had set it up i mean if you're listening right now boost boost make your fingers black and blue it feels very youtubey too yes and <laughs> and and thank you for getting that plug in because i i know that adam has been pushing for us to do that but uh my grumpy old ben's contract precludes me from being able to recommend any app at all so uh, i knew we needed to do that smash and subscribe <laughs> click that little bell yeah you'll never oh miss God, an no. episode no, no, just uh, just don't. I <laughs> well, it, are you a millennial? Even the uh, podcast friend app, it was they talked about it on the podcast index show as well. It's kind of like a big, long. Sorry, this is how it works when setting up the wallet, which I thought was kind of funny. Like, yeah, you have to, you know, in order for this to work. And this is where I think the big hurdle still is. Is you need to have some bitcoin you need to be able to get that into a wallet you need then to move that into this other app and then you can start streaming it's rare i don't think any of these have figured out yet not figured out none of them have been able to implement where i can just get whatever program i'm going to use to stream you some value 
and just download that program and then attach that to a bank account or a credit card or something like that. I think the system always is still, well, like go someplace like Coinbase, get some Bitcoin, then transfer that to this once you get. Because that's what I did with the Breeze app, which I downloaded. Luckily, we had like six or seven dollars worth of Satoshi's from the uh, grumpy old Ben's listeners that were sitting in there because we use the Satoshi's.stream service and that worked perfectly well. Of course, you look and then you see there's a percentage being taken out everywhere and I'm still going, well, I still like the the check directly to the P.O. box concept, but I understand why that is not always uh, applicable for people to use that. But I was able to easily get the money out of Satoshi's.stream, got it then into my Breeze account, and then I start streaming. Well, first was Phone Boys episode, and that was set at like 10 Satoshis per minute, and it was like a four-minute episode. So you're not getting rich on those episodes, Phone Boy. You need to expand past the four-minute mark for a little bit extra cash. But then I listened to some Fun Fact Friday, and I was boosting them. And the interesting thing is they try to make this fun. This the breeze app, especially like every minute it does. If you have the screen on anyway, every minute there's a little graphical animation which shows like confetti going like, "Woo, Satoshi's on their way. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know if you want to keep reminding people. Yeah. Oh, oh, look, you're you're losing more money. Yes, kind of. Well, Uh, that is kind of like the whole crypto market lately. Yeah, I. Yeah, it's it is. Uh, it's it's getting into the crypto market and and uh, putting making people hyper aware of of money in and money out is is kind of a double edged thing. Uh, on the one hand, you know we we've kind of trained everybody in the world to appreciate the free, and and it's going to be real difficult to get people into a the idea of oh I'm listening to this and I've got money going out while I'm listening. Uh, but on the other hand, I mean, you kind of did already, but it's all hidden in monthly subscription fees. And if you budget right, you can you can do a lot better and, and get, uh, you know, a lot more of your money to the people that you care about getting it to instead of to the middlemen. If you do it this way, it's it's just a, I, I, I don't think it's convenient. And that that might be the death knell. I hope not. Well, and it's again, I think there's some work to be done, but my wife. Or anybody, I'm guessing, that isn't familiar with what Satoshis are, they will get one of these apps and be like, oh, it's asking me to stream. Do I want to send, you know, 10, 20, 50 Satoshis per minute? And yeah. And what the hell is a Satoshi? It's exactly. the first question everyone's asking. Yes. And, you know, I get why it's like, are those that. pennies or they- right? And without knowing that, I mean, people can go look it up, but then that's an extra added step of like, well, you're an idiot. You don't know what this is. It would be nice. If the apps showed the real time conversion, but I understand what what they're doing because Bitcoin just went down from like sixty five thousand down to like thirty three in the case of, uh, you know, in the span of what, a month, month and a half. So, you know, if you have something set up by the dip and you think that you are, you know, giving five cents per minute, but then it turns out you're now giving one cent or you're giving 20 cents because of fluctuations in Bitcoin. That's also a thing that needs to be figured out because I think it would be, even if you're still doing this and streaming it in Satoshi's, it'll be a lot better when you could just set a amount, you know, two cents a minute, 10 cents a minute, whatever it is. And then that just adjusts to the background. 
I, I think I think that 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 is an opportunity for uh, a, an app experience improvement. And there's there's a whole lot of them. For example, the you know, r- right now, all of the apps seem to default to, uh, you know, let, let's just set the, the Satoshis per minute at the same value for everything you listen to, which kind of makes sense if you're j- judging it based on what's my time worth, uh, you know, but. Right. Like I go into Antenna Pod, and there are some shows that I listen to on one x speed because the show gets to the topic, and there's some shows that I'm listening to at three x speed because I'm just trying to fast forward through the endless drops and jingles. But um, you know, I'm I'm not going to give I'm if I have the choice, I'm not going to give those the same amount. You, know, I guess you know, a long form show like Grumpy Old Ben's is going to get uh two hours times whatever your satoshis per minute. And a short form show like uh, Phone Boy, uh, Phone Boy, is going to get very little of that if you are of the opinion that well, ev- you know, every minute is equal. But I don't think every minute is equal, and I think that the app that can can successfully surface how to value y- the time you spend on a podcast. What I what I'd really like, and al- although this would screw us, what I'd really like is a, a listening experience that allows me to incentivize succinctness to incentivize people getting to the point on a podcast and then getting out and uh so you, you know, mean one the, of the opposite examples, of what we do yeah one of the examples from the no agenda stream <laughs> that that i use for that is uh, uh a billy bones show walk through the mind which is only usually about 15 minutes long and he gets in he nails his point and he finishes and he's not going to get a hell of a lot of satoshis at a flat rate doing that but I really value somebody doing that. And uh, it, if we could figure out how to adjust and and this, I think, is an app experience thing where you'd you say, can. OK, this. I mean, at least I, in Breeze, I, you, you can. You can adjust the amount of Satoshis per show. I don't know if it yeah. is if it stays that way or if you have to do it every time. I believe it was a Geek Squared that asked the other day if there was a way for Breeze to resume where you were in a podcast and it seemed like maybe it didn't because again these things are all just being hobbled together oh, that's a required feature for me yeah because if you're listening to grumpy old ben's and you just got the first half hour in, then you went into work and then you fire up the app and it's like oh starting at the beginning it's like no but this is where a lot of this stuff has to be kind of smoothed out and i think it will get there and the main thing is for everybody doing podcasts to remind their listeners that it is work and there is time involved. And this is another way that you can send value back right now. It's a little bit harder than most to get over those bars. But if I had to guess a year from today, I'm guessing the majority of pod, well, not maybe majority, but the better podcast apps, like I use a podcast addict. I bet you in a year, you'll be able to fire up podcast addict and link it to your checking account or your PayPal account or a credit card, and it will just automatically work. Which, and there won't be any security or privacy concerns in that, I'm sure. Well, I mean, it's already being done for so many other things. And, you know, even if this is the case of authorized, I don't think it's going to be saying you're going to attach it to these accounts. I don't say that it's going every time you're streaming a penny's worth of Satoshis, it's going to access that account. You're going to have to go in kind of like uh, the Starbucks app, which I know you hate Starbucks and all, but the Starbucks app, the way that works, you have a credit card tied to it and you give it a threshold like, oh, when this drops below 20 bucks, add 20 bucks. And that's how the system works. So it's always a $20 credit card thing that goes on once you drop below a threshold. 
And I think that's exactly how this is going to work here. I don't see any big difference on, you know, having I, uh, Starbucks have your credit card information. I, 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 I would I would appreciate you not sending falsehoods out about me, though. I, I don't hate Starbucks itself nearly as much as I hate the idea that it has an app. Oh, well, so you, the coffee is better than the app. Uh, this is true. Yes. Yeah, I guess that may be uh, that may be true. And speaking of apps, although this wasn't entirely just in their app. Newegg just got listed on NASDAQ, which is one I would have thought it would have happened a long time ago, because I think that Newegg's a pretty legit big company and all. But OK, they just got listed on NASDAQ. And you know how they are uh, celebrating? They will give you 10 percent off your order if you pay with Dogecoin. Like, what the hell? <laughs> what the it. hell? Or it was other crypto, too. But it was mainly they were pushing the Dogecoin. And I'm thinking, okay, N- how are you going to tell me they send you, you they put your hardware on the blockchain or something? Maybe. But I'm just like, OK, how are you doing this? Because Dogecoin is going up and down like a ping pong ball. And we know that these as one of the but things which mentioned. Means so are their prices. <laughs> right. Right. And that was the other thing mentioned with the blockchain is a lot of times it takes minutes for the transaction to go through and finally be uh, finalized. And in this case, it's like, okay, if I just went and bought a $500 item and the Dogecoin was worth 500 when I sent it to you, but maybe by the time <laughs> 10 minutes later, could be worth 400 or it could be worth 800. I guess it's kind of just like a big gamble, but I'm kind of intrigued that a company would take that hit or take that I, chance. You know, I think, I think you just, the word you just used, a gamble. Gambling is exactly how you think about this and that you can have actually a lot of fun. I could get a bargain on my hard drive if I can time it exactly yeah, be like, right. like, okay, I need a new hard drive. Let's roll the dice and see if I get catch the right minute. Yeah. These, the technology will continue to progress. I was going to say get better. I'm not sure it's going to get better, but it's this, going this to progress. Is, this is the same reason why uh, uh, compulsive gambling addicts and uh, and uh, stock day traders both exhibit exactly the same type of brainwaves and, and behaviors in, in psychology. It, it's it, just watching a market and trying to trade on the the random bounces up and down is is exactly the, the mental process that you go through when you walk into a casino and sit down at the roulette wheel, which, by the way, is that's where you lose your money. Go go blackjack and start card counting. Well, or at least know the uh, the overall system behind it. Now, poker is the same way, at least like for video poker and that if you have a basic understanding of blackjack or poker, you can play a lot of those games and have an extended time. I mean, you're still going to lose your money. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, that's a question if you're going to lose your money in an hour or maybe two or three hours. Yeah, I, I it did not take me very long or even a particularly deep uh, education and statistics to acknowledge that in aggregate casinos are in business, yes. which means that they make money, which means where does that money come from? Uh, they're, they're not keeping all those lights on with just hotel fees. So yeah, the house wins in aggregate. You are going to lose money. And I can tell you walking in to those casinos, especially in Vegas, and you walk into some place like the Venetian and you look around, and you're like, this is one of the more impressive buildings I've ever seen. It's like, well, how do you think they're able to do that? Where do you think they're getting the money to to build everything and, yeah. to, and to decorate it in such you know posh ways? Well, they're taking your money. I mean, you want to judge a society, look at uh, what who owns the biggest and most extravagant buildings and in in a place where gambling is available, it's absolutely going to be the casinos. Uh, 
place around here. Uh, well, to be honest, all of the most places in America these days, the biggest and most extravagant buildings are going to be banks and hospitals. Uh, uh, those, the, <laughs> I, I guess what I'm saying is if you want to know which industries are fleecing the crap out of their customers, it's the ones that have the, the ability to put up the biggest buildings. Well, and the banks There's, are getting less and less, which is interesting because my, my, my city has four buildings that are over five floors and they are uh, the, the courthouse, the county jail, uh, two hospitals and one bank tower. Ooh. Well, banks are getting smaller because they don't really want employees anymore, which is the intriguing thing. So it's now everything's going virtual with that. It's hard to have a virtual hospital, though, <laughs> when, you, when you need to. Uh, when you need medical care, you actually have to go to where the doctors are. Although soon there'll be robots, maybe you could. Just... I, I didn't. Well, I had I had a virtual remote uh, Zoom. Yeah, but you uh, weren't really visit. ill. I mean, not no. physically anyway. Well, not not in any way that I was willing to let them know. And this, I think, is going to be something that'll stick around as far as a change with the pandemic and how things, you know, getting back to normal. I do think doctors are going to be doing a lot more of these types of visits, especially now. And this is the the thing that still kind of worries me because these things like the Apple Watch, there are some really cool devices for monitoring your health. Although I don't think the technology is quite to where I would rely on the numbers and the stats that they're giving. And I think people are going to start doing this more and more. Where, you know, somebody will have a problem and the doctor will be like, oh, let's see, your Apple watch says everything's fine. And then they die 10 minutes later because the watch wasn't, you know, calibrated correctly or something. Uh, I mean, I worked with a guy years ago who went into the uh, hospital and uh, thought he was having a heart attack. And they're like, no, 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 it's just, you know, you heartburn or whatever and, they said and, and and then when he got the bill he really did have one no he died like an hour later after they sent him home he was having Ooh. a heart attack so i mean congratulations oh, okay. uh, uh wait way to diagnose that guys uh-huh yeah well that is uh one of the issues and when you start doing more of this remote diagnosing i mean it's great which is from what i understand in your case it was it was just checking in with the doctor and going yeah this medication i've been on for like 10 years uh, just renew yeah, that for I, me. I, I just can you can you go ahead and write a prescription so that I can continue taking it at the same level I've been taking for ten years. Thanks a lot. Yes, I mean there's no. I mean this this is a case of like, is there any new symptoms? No. Has anything changed? No. That makes perfect sense. Uh, although I did get the obligatory, uh, you know, uh, make sure you go get the vaccine so that we can all get through this. I thought we're through it though. I mean, everybody can just <laughs> walk around unmasked now. And we talked about that on the last show. No, the maybe where you live. Well, I forgot. I'm you still do. being ha- harassed every time I enter a store. Wow. I'd be like, no, don't you? And this is the weirdest thing. Forget about what every, anybody else thinks about vaccines and all this other stuff. The people that were full on Nazi when Trump wouldn't wear a mask with the, oh, my God, you won't listen to the CDC are now the ones not listening to the CDC. So it's like, congratulations. We've come full circle. That now but, that the CDC is saying something they don't like now, all of a sudden, and I don't know, has anybody been uh, kicked off Twitter or Facebook or any of these for saying, you know, we, we need to still keep wearing masks? I'm like, well, no, that's a lie. The CDC says this. So obviously it's a lie. 
That's that's one of the the hallmarks of an ideologue is if every piece of information that reinforces your worldview is a hundred percent correct and everything that that makes you question your worldview is not even to be considered and should be censored. That's I mean we we know about this. It's not news. No, but it's funny. It's funny to watch because uh, you know this whole concept of well if you're if you haven't got the vaccine, though, keep wearing a mask. And everybody knows, you know, this is just the nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Everybody knows there's no way to monitor that. There's no way to know. Yeah. And so well, I'm taking advantage of that. You know, the only thing is the, the, the Inslee order that everybody must mask up no matter what, even no matter what the CDC says is still in effect here. Well, that seems like a uh, an assault uh, upon your freedoms. Uh, you don't say. Next, they'll try to come for your guns. Yeah. (laughs) Next, they're going to come for your guns. They already did that. Oh, I was able to repel them this time. (laughs) Well, you you do have that submachine gun mounted on the roof. So, I mean, there's uh, that's a pretty good way. That's why I'm still waiting for my permit for the cannon. (laughs) Do you need permit? I mean, if the cannon's like old enough, if you have a cannon, you don't need a permit. No. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like with uh, some of the stuff on Pawn Stars. I always thought that was funny. Which was if the weapon is older than, you know, a hundred years or something, then it's considered an antique and you don't have to jump through all the legal loopholes. And I'm thinking, well, some cannons from the like 17, 1800s could do a lot of damage to. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying that, you know, if, if somebody comes to check with the per- check for a permit and I have a cannon, then they're not going to get to see a permit. <laughs> do you turn on uh, the flight of the Valkyries first or the eighteen twelve overture and just start blowing the cannon off? Like, <laughs> do not tread on me. I, you know, I, I forgot my boom box the last time I tried that. Oh, well, well mount speakers outside. That's the way to do it. <laughs> then I would be forced to use it to, to treat the entire neighborhood to the no agenda stream and i mean there would be much crying and gnashing of teeth and i don't know if we want any of that yeah, maybe the so, no agenda stream is good stuff people should check it, it out um facebook is still tracking you via your phone what yeah even on ios no, no. ios for well ios 14 where uh more than 80 percent of users worldwide and over 90 percent of users in the u.s have not have clicked the no i don't want tracking button in, in ios 14 um yeah uh the this article comes from uh, zach doffman who was writing for forbes and uh he used a hell of a lot of words to point out i'll, I'll just give you the punchline here um Every single time that you take a photo with iOS, it will put your uh, your username, your uh, location name, um, a, a number of other things. But mostly it puts a GPS tag into the photo on iOS. Right. Uh, there's no way to shut that off that I'm aware of. You can't tell Apple to don't put exif data that that identifies me and compromises my security into the photos. And so uh, people are taking photos and uploading them to Facebook. And suddenly, despite having gone to the setting in iOS, that says never allow Facebook to use my location. Somehow Facebook knows where you've been taking pictures from. Um, you know, Facebook even says in their privacy policy that they, uh, they strip the metadata from any photos that you upload, but clearly they take it so that they can collect and use it first. Right. And I then mean, they, they strip don't, it. They don't leave it there, but they, uh, they don't leave it there. When you, when you look at a photo somebody else posted on Facebook, there's no exif data 
but uh, clearly they're taking it because uh, Facebook now knows exactly where you've been from every photo you've taken. Um, there are apps on iOS, lots of apps that will strip the exit for you before uploading, but Apple doesn't do it. It does. It's not available in the operating system. There's no option that says just don't put the uh, put it in the metadata when I take the picture. And who the hell wants to run all your photos through an extra app before posting them to your friends for that quick dopamine like hit? That is crazy. I mean, I know you can uh, turn the GPS off, but obviously that's what you need to do then is just totally turn the GPS off if you don't want that in the photo. I don't even know if that works. I, I mean, I'd hope it works, but I don't know. I mean, you know, turning the GPS off is just a software switch that says, hey, you know, this sensor over here, uh, don't check it all the time. And and maybe the software doesn't. Let's see how to remove location from iPhone photos. Disable geotag in settings. So there is a setting, allegedly, if uh, this site is, uh, what's this? Uh, t- uh, 10 oh, tenor share. Uh, so there is a, if you do a search, it looks like there may be a setting, but it's probably buried then. I would believe that. Yeah. Um, I, I will, I will say that, uh, I, you know, I don't, I didn't have an iOS device to try this on and it wouldn't surprise me that much if there is a setting somewhere. Uh, but the, well, okay. The, the article from this Zach Doffman at Forbes, uh, suggested that there was no way to do it. And, uh, you know, what do I know? He's, he's writing for Forbes, so he must know what he's talking about. Right. <laughs> don't you know about the media? They don't yeah, even, it, he didn't even look it up. He <laughs> looked at he his, he, yeah, he looked at like his Facebook settings and went, eh, what I, I don't will see say anything is, here. I, I, I am quite sure that that setting, uh, the, the please attach my GPS location to every photo I take is going to be on by default. And if they buried the setting, then, then we're back to the, you know, do you want to pop up a big dialogue in front of it says, let Facebook use your location? Really? I, I, I don't know. I, Apple work on this. This is if even if the setting exists, it's clearly terrible UI because by default, everybody is still sending their location to Facebook. So you haven't solved that much. No. Well, and Facebook has uh, a bunch of issues. They uh, were just blocking a bunch of back the blue fundraisers because, you know, liking cops this is no longer something that is acceptable in the united states of america you cannot show your support for the police or the first responders which is i mean how long until the the cops stop showing their support for people either i if i was a cop that would be the line i'd be going down if if i had been a cop at the start of this i'd be looking for another career really yeah this this was off an article in right at least like yeah people like trash people people like homeless people better than cops these days people people like bank robbers better than cops <laughs> the, there was know. a distillery in bradenton florida i've been there spent a lot of time in bradenton watching baseball games in the spring back in the day it's a distillery called the loaded cannon distillery so okay they're right do they have a permit for the cannon <laughs> i would well if they have one they if pro- they have a cannon they don't need a permit <laughs> right that is the uh we've already discussed that uh, according to Fox 13 Tampa, Facebook won't let them advertise because it views their support of police, firefighters, paramedics, and other first responders as being too sensitive or too political. <laughs> oh, God. According to a message from Facebook to the distillery, which was seen by Fox 13, the platform claims that ads for the event mention, quote, sensitive social issues that could influence public opinion, how people vote, 
and may impact the outcome of an election or pending legislation. So that's the reason yep. Facebook's giving for not taking their money to do an ad to promote an event to raise money for not just police, but other first responders, EMTs, firefighters. No, Facebook don't like you. So if you're in one of those communities, screw Facebook. It, 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 you don't, it doesn't matter what community you're in. Screw Facebook. Well, that's that true. That should just be the, the default on state for everyone. Fuck it, those guys. It is a cesspool. I mean, this is not. This is not reasonable at this point to be like, oh, BLM, gotta love them. They're a bunch of violent asshole Marxists. You know, Antifa, same thing. Oh, wait, wait. But you're going to show support for the police? Oh, no, no. That's dangerous. But Antifa is just an idea. That's what Joe Biden says. But I think Joe Biden's just an idea. (laughs) I don't think he's ever had an idea. Not not in the last four years. Not recently. I mean, somebody posted a video of Biden from like eight years ago or so. And a few of the comments I thought were interesting. He used to be able to talk. That was it. That was the comment, which was the most, you know, the the scariest thing about watching this is that you could see Biden was coherent at one point, And now, no, this is not a I small mean, change. He, he was evil back then, but right. he was coherent. Yes, he was coherent and evil. Now, I don't know if he's anything more than a meat puppet for these people to have oh, sign here, Joe sign here, Joe kind of reminded me uh, since we've been watching mash again lately when, uh, you know, radar would just throw the paperwork in front of Colonel Blake and just be like, sign this. Okay. And he just kept signing all the papers. That's what Joe's doing. He's not reading any of it. He doesn't know what he's signing. Do we even know if Joe is signing them or if somebody's just writing on there and saying it's Joe? You mean like the car, or the truck that he was supposedly driving, and then you found out he wasn't? It was all like a setup, too? I mean, this. Oh, every- yeah, yeah. With the, the picture where they're like right behind him, there's the steering wheel, another steering wheel on the other side. Yeah. Everything around this guy is fake. This is the biggest setup in the world. And I mean, this is something I never really paid attention to. And I'm sure the reason why, because O'Reilly keeps talking about the fact that he's been doing news for so long and he's never seen a presidential schedule like this bemlet take note this was the uh the obligatory o'reilly reference for this show yes bill o'reilly but very much like rare encounter was doing the uh, how many days since the last maps with matt well bill o'reilly's shtick since biden has become president is he does his show four days a week and on those four days he lists he shows you exactly what is on the official presidential schedule for Joe Biden for that day. And it's usually one thing or two things. You know, and it's like, oh my God. What is get, he get doing? Get up in the morning, have your breakfast of corn pops and milk. Yeah. And that's it. You know, sometimes he'll go make an you know, it's like, oh, talk to the press about made a made a COVID statement. But you know, they won't even let him take questions because God forbid and it's been multiple times. Well, no, I'm sure this no been- they are deathly afraid that he might answer one. Yes. And this I think it's been pointed out on no agenda multiple times that Biden, when actually answering a question, has made a comment similar to I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but or I'm, I'm going to get in trouble for answer. I'm, you know, it's like if I answer one more, I'm going to be in trouble. It's like, Joe, you're the president of the United States. You have the most power of anybody on the planet. Who's going to put? 
You no, know, the, the most power of anybody on the planet is whoever is actually dra- drafting all this legislation and writing up the executive orders and, and uh, the one pulling because we don't even know who that is. Is it is it Kamala? Is it Jill? Is it uh, Hillary Susan Rice? Probably yeah, we, we, we don't know who is actually the one running the country right now. The only thing we know for sure is that Biden is not capable of doing the things that they say he's doing. No, and he knows if he says something wrong. He will get in trouble. I'm like, okay, I can see like a 10 year old kid saying I'm going to get in trouble. Joe, you're the president of the United States. Nobody, nobody can put you in the corner, Joe. Nobody puts Biden in a corner. I need a ISO on that one. (laughs) Nobody, nobody, nobody puts Biden in a cordon. In a, not in a corn, in a, in a corner. Did you say in a corn maze? Yeah, well, let's see if you put, nobody puts Biden in a corn maze. Because if you do, he's never coming out. Yeah, I know you love memes so much. One of the memes I saw a couple weeks ago was, uh, it was the Biden corn maze and it had two corn stalks and there was an entrance and exit right next to each other. <laughs> Joe looking confused. Yeah, well, any picture of Joe looks confused. Lately, yeah, that is true. This is uh, this is the strange world that we live in. The White House, though, has partnered with dating apps, which they talked about in No Agenda. But I just wanted to mention it because, you know, it's tech and it's humorous that also goes down the lines of how do you prove anything? This stuff you're seeing like, well, if you're on a dating app and you've been vaccinated, you can get access to special vaccinated other people. Well, of course, people are going to lie. Yeah, yes. I mean, and you, you can get access to people who virtue signal and lie. Uh, uh, I just don't and the, get the it. best. Uh, yeah, well, dating apps have been started getting uh, really like their, the quality of their content started really going down and became coming less useful about the time that everybody's dating profile picture started being taken with a mask on. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm sorry if, if I'm trying to choose somebody in a dating app, I, I want to see her face. Yeah, I mean, you could. We're okay. With Call the picture. me shallow. We're okay from a picture from a year ago before there were mask mandates. I mean, that's, how do I know there's not fangs underneath that mask? You don't. But I think there's been a couple of things that have happened over, and not just due to COVID, but I think COVID has really sped this up. I've seen a couple of things recently. One, uh, Chris over on No Agenda Social posted, uh, Sir Chris, that uh, not. Not the, not the one from Australia. Uh, I think we have four or five Sir Chris's by now. There are a few. And he had a little video, which was women and mainly like in their like maybe 20s talking about why men do not approach them now. And I was thinking about this. Because, oh, I did see this one. I mean, it was an intriguing I, I, thing, right? OK, I, I saw it come across and I tried to watch it and uh, I I, I kind of understood the the. The, to some of what they were talking about, but the presentation was so millennial. Yes, well, it was. It was very millennial, but I thought it was interesting. You know, one of the uh, women was like, well, you know, try smiling more. And she's like, I know, I know I'm a very serious person, but, you know. Well, there was a lot of advice, but I, did they mention, and maybe you watched this, did they mention the one real reason why, uh, you, you, at least... At least the smart ones are hesitant about approaching women is that if you approach a woman who's not into you, which you have no, no clue before you approach whether or not this is going to be the case. Right. But if you approach one who's not into you and also happens to be in a bad mood and might just be a bitch, (laughs) uh, then 
you could find yourself canceled later in life and have your career destroyed. Yes. Or you could just be facing a sexual harassment charge right now. Yes, she did. One of the uh, one of the two that were the main ones hosting this uh, did mention that and how ridiculous that was. But that is a valid fear for men that when approaching women now. And I mean, she made the distinction, too. She's like, well, you know, if somebody's asked you out 10 times and you've said no every time and they're still asking you out. OK, we can start getting on board of that's being yeah, okay. a bit well, harassing. The inability to take a hint is a different issue. Yes. But- but but if it's the very first time and you're like, I know absolutely nothing about this person other than she's in a singles bar drinking alone. Maybe I'll just try asking and somehow that's harassment. Right. Like, or just where, you know, what's the point? Just <laughs> striking up a conversation can be harassment. Daring to make a comment yeah, about if you're not hot. <laughs> her clothing or, you know, hairstyle or whatever to make a comment about anything. That's harassment. And. The question is, was all of this starting really big with the with the Me Too stuff? Was this put into place kind of like all this, you know, universal basic income and all of this Marxist crap? Was this put into place? Not because anybody really gave a crap about women being you know, harassed are, or attacked. Are, are you about to bring Bill Ayers into this again? No. Well, it's part of that. Because I mean, it's, it's definitely a divide and conquer thing. Yeah. It is. It's uh, separate the men from the women, and then we got to separate the black from the white, and then we got to separate the rich from the poor, and if we got to separate the police from the non-police, and once we separate everybody, <laughs> and once they're all pissed at everybody else, that's when we start making how, massive changes. How how do you institute uh you know your your communist regime? Well, the one of the things that you have to do is you have to make everybody dependent on the state, and how do you do that? You sever. All of the community and family ties, you break up the nuclear family, you make everybody distrust their neighbors, you make sure that nobody every time that you see a human being on the street, you don't see another person with thoughts, experiences and a potential person to talk to. What you see is a walking Petri dish full of diseases you might catch. Yeah, that's that's how you destroy the fabric of a society. Yeah. And you del- totally delete the ability for people to have a reasonable conversation about anything because that just used to be religion and politics we've talked about that before growing up it was always like oh these are the things you don't want to talk about for you know those family gatherings or wherever you're going out and about no if you're meeting new people don't talk about religion and politics that's way too way too divisive now that list has gotten longer and longer and longer of things that you dare not talk about or words that yeah. you dare not say and uh you know, yeah, cultural if, if you eat meat, don't mention that because, you know, she's a vegan. Right. Uh, OK, then I mean, that'll that'll be a concern when we're choosing where to eat. But um, so, <laughs> you know, and this it made me kind of think because it's like, well, I haven't had to approach women in decades, which I'm really happy because in the current yeah, climate, well, I, I have to say every time that I approach a woman in my house, I'm worried about being accused of harassment. <laughs> well, you could be hitting the head with a frying pan. That is uh, and probably rightfully so. I know your wife. Yeah, I usually enough. deserve it. Yeah, I was going to say, I know your wife enough that if she's doling out some punishment, you were uh, you were probably deserving of it. But it wasn't well, interesting. I, the reason I'm being accused of harassment is because it's usually me doing the harassing. Right. And that would be uh, why you would get the frying pan upside the head. But for people that are in the dating market now, I mean, I get why the apps are getting more popular because the apps, as idiotic as they are. 
you at least know the person on the other side is looking for a date or whatever that constitutes in today's uh, vernacular. And you or, or it's a 47 year old dude who's just looking for kids to uh, oh, well, sorry, welcome to catfishing. Yeah, that's another <laughs> issue which goes along and that's tied into this as well, because if you're that ignorant of the world around you that you can be catfished then this also is tied into the way people communicate, how they pick up on cues. And I've heard more, well, not heard, read more than enough stories about people who get taken for money. And it's like, oh, well, I met this person, you know, usually a woman in air quotes, you know, on one of these dating sites. But you know, she's tell sometimes, right. You know, but we don't want to misgender. You know, but this is, oh, well, I'm not in the country right now, but I'm, you know, I'm on the dating site, but I'm visiting my family in whatever country. And then they start a texting back and forth. This is why, well, you know, time zone changes and all this. So they're just communicating via text. And then the guy's all getting hot and horny. She's about to come home. And it's like, oh, no, something happened. I need $5,000 in order to be able to get back home. And then the guy sends the money. And then. And then you find out she was a Nigerian prince. Right. And that people fall for this all the time, too, because I don't think we have a strong BS detector anymore in the younger generation, which I don't know why. And it could all be just because it's all BS. It's been overloaded. <laughs> yeah. OK, that makes sense. It could be BS overload. There's a good show title too, BS overload. And I can see why people maybe can fall for some of this, but it is so easy. You know, if you're talking to somebody on a dating site and okay, a lot of them won't even get on the phone to have an audio based conversation. Well, that should tell you enough. But even if they get on the phone, okay, so you're proving that either somebody is a woman, sounds like a woman. I mean, it could be Fletcher. He does a whole bunch of different voices. He's got a lot of range, you know, or it could just be a total catfish thing. The reality is you need proof. I just thought of something on Hog Story. How do we know there's two separate hosts? We don't. It could just be either Carolyn Blaney with a really good Fletcher impersonation or vice versa. Well, she versa. does have that vocoder. Yeah. So Fletcher might be just a, a character that Carolyn puts on. We never know. It could be. Sorry. It could be. Um, Sorry, I just thought of that. It, it broke my mind. You never know where these things are going. But the way communication approach it, Progo says young people do things like put all their phones on the table and then leave the room to talk privately, which is. One, I've never seen that happen, but I'm not around young people enough. And if that is the truth, then they know those devices are evil. And those kids, I, I, I mean, taking the phone out of the drawer when you left home might have been the first problem. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's with you all the time and your parents could be spying on you at any given time because they're the ones that gave you the phone and they're the ones that are paying for the phone. But how people communicate when they don't know somebody, which is why, again, I think these the dating apps have gotten a lot more popular because I think. If you're just out and about, you know, with friends, you, nobody wants to talk to somebody they don't know. And it's much easier to go this route. There was a, an article that also talked about how the Zoom era, you know, which came to be mainly because of the pandemic, has changed communication and how it has uh, caused people to actually, you know, interrupt less, which I thought was kind of weird because, I mean, we do it all the time. It's not working. Yeah. Not for me, but the concept of, you know, having these conversations rather than face to face, that there is a small amount of lag. And this may be different over, you know, different uh, 
demographics where they were talking about like Japanese and stuff who are very polite overall, you know, way less interrupting where they would normally, if you were face to face with somebody, would be interjecting things like, yes, yes, yes. You know, as you're talking to let you know, hey, I'm listening to you and we're still interacting. That was really brought down. Exactly. That was really brought down over Zoom because what happens over Zoom, which has happened here every now and then. Was you're saying something and you hear me go, oh, yes, and not comprehending what I'm saying. You, Oh, wait, what? What did you say? You know, like, oh, you're just agreeing with me. And then in person, you never have that issue. You realize they're nodding their head. They're agreeing with you. And the conversation never gets broken. In person, you would you would be able to tell at the very least that that I got up and walked off and got another cup of coffee while you were talking or went to the bathroom. But I could follow you then and see if that would everything would work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then we could continue this conversation in the bathroom where the acoustics aren't as good. So maybe that's not a good idea. No, but the the acoustics in the bathroom are perfect for singing. So that's what you can do there. But Uh, for, for my singing voice, that's probably true. Yeah. The more reverb you can get, the better. But I do think that this was going on long before COVID, this concept. I remember a an episode of Two and a Half Men where Jake and his little girlfriend we're sitting on the couch and they were texting each other rather than speaking. And I think that was you know hilarious at the time. But I think back, that, back at the time, that was probably satire. But I think it happens now. Yes. You know, and that's the scary part about the way people are communicating and you lose so much in the text format. You don't really know. I mean, when you're sitting next to him on the couch, sure. But otherwise, you don't know who you're communicating with over a social media site or anything like that. I don't even know who I'm communicating with right now. Right. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a mystery. We've never met in person. Will we ever? Probably not. I could just be doing two voices. The Bemrose voice could just be one I made up. I got, I got two more stories. Uh, one is Google wants RSS back. Uh, but I don't know if we want to get into that or if we want to go thank our expert today. (laughs) We do have um, a couple of experts, and that was nice because it was going to be a uh, was going to be a really cheap executive producership from our buddy John Fletcher with his monthly three dollar and fifty cents with we which we do appreciate. But yes, we do. I mean, raising that up to an executive producer level, which we'll give him today anyway, because we like Fletcher and we like Hog Story, and because he does a really good gay. According to no and, agenda. And, and if you too like Fletcher, then you need to dial into the hog storyline and leave them a voicemail because that's where they get their best content. Yes. Well, yeah, their best content is producer based, which is genius. If I do the work, it's it's the way of the future. And coming in, though, with ten dollars today, Kenny Ben, who is a uh, no agenda artist. It's Kendra. A lot of people misunderstand. A lot of people misgender people on the uh, no agenda stream and in the no agenda art but she put a but little it's note because it's difficult over irc to see the boobs that is that is true now you're i know you're probably working on that problem very uh very very adamantly well i do pay close attention to boobs but uh kendra came in with ten dollars and says let's get ryan that bidet xoxo so see a lot of people want you to get that bidet uh, apparently they want you to have a very clean behind and we appreciate that well i can't blame them for that and we also got an anonymous bitcoin donation of point zero 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 three 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 bitcoin which was currently at a dollar 27 today 
but nobody asked wow. for uh, attribution. And I don't know if it's really for grumpy old Ben's or random thoughts. So we just make the uh, the choice and put it over here, which I, you know, if there was a big amount, I'd be like, OK, uh, do I want well, to do I want to cut Bemrose in on this or uh, I mean, it uh, might well, be- uh, th- thank you, whoever you were. Yes, and depending you, or, that's where you wanted it. I'm assuming it was at least for me because that 3333 says everything we need to know, but we need to split off onto a hardware wallet so we can have separate things for grumpy old Ben's, for random thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com, for the rock and roll pre-show, and all of the other fun stuff that at I some do. point i need to get my own wallet not be relying on my wife's for everything yes yes because otherwise <laughs> she's like well i just give ryan his allowance she, she gives me the allowance which is all i really need well that's just I, long I, as I you- can't i shouldn't be trusted for to deal with the money she she wisely keeps all of that away from me do you really need money you're more of a you know pizza beer and as long as those things show up I, I, as long as there's enough alcohol in the house and i have bandwidth i'm happy what do i need money for <laughs> where the ultimate ben as long as i got booze and bandwidth there's a t-shirt make that booze up and somebody. bandwidth yeah booze bandwidth equals ben but we do work on the value for value model which means we do these shows we hope you get some value out of them whether you learn something new whether you chuckle whether you just think we're so dumb that we make you feel better whatever it is Put what you're getting out of the show into a amount and go over to grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate and click that donate button. If you wanted to go the PayPal route one time or monthly, go to the P.O. box address. If you want to go the snail mail route or use one of the crypto wallets and send us the value any which way you want to. Any of those ways is greatly appreciated. We appreciate everybody for listening, for being experts, for supporting the show in all sorts of different ways, even being in the troll room, saying trolly things. We appreciate that as well. Yeah, except for a couple of trolls and you know who you are. We don't appreciate that. Yeah. What you, the hell? You know Stop who it. you are. There's a list. <laughs> there's Yes. Oh, there's a list. Oh, yeah. Sir so Matthew, Sir uh, Matthew says all the crypto you know talk is cryptic to me. That's funny, it, Sir Matthew. I, I totally agree. Um, I Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, maybe, uh, you know, we, we've got more stories, but maybe we should just, uh, it, it because we have no experts, maybe we should just try not to be MSNBC and go on with a bunch of opinion without any experts. <laughs> nah, screw it. <laughs> Opinion's what we, what do. we do. Yeah. <laughs> we have uh, taken this to a whole new level. Yes. Um, Chrome has added a follow button to, uh, to the UI in Chrome. Um, Google is, uh, Google has added a a button that you can click and and let me know when when this technology sounds familiar uh where you click on it and the website will go ahead and whenever they post an update your browser can notify you that because it's polling in the background to see uh if there's an update and then your browser can notify you that something on the website updated and this is a feature now in the Chrome browser so that you can never miss an update from your favorite websites that sounds a lot like RSS. It sure does. And uh, a lot of people have been picking up on the fact that uh, Google used to pretty much own RSS. But when they when they tried their their failed Google Plus experiment, one of the sacrifices they made to try to make to push everybody to Google Plus was they killed Google Reader, which was the most popular and successful RSS reader out there. 
And uh, there are a lot of sour grapes out there now who are uh, saying, you know, what, what, wait a minute, Google. Now, now you want back? You want to come back to RSS? What is, um, in fact, this Chrome feature, uh, they are, uh, they are using RSS on the back end, but they are pushing it as a feature in Chrome. Um, to which, uh, Dave Weiner probably had the, the best response. You, you, you've heard of Dave Weiner. He takes credit for inventing everything about RSS, which is probably true. But Adam Curry tells a story about how he was involved. Um, the memory of Google Reader may have faded so much that Google appears ready to try again. Even the headline of this TechCrunch article is disturbing and he links to a TechCrunch article. The headline is undead again. Google brings back RSS. <laughs> I did like that one. Google did so much damage to RSS. The thought of them reviving it is analogous to Exxon reviving the site of some huge oil spill, one that they didn't even contribute to cleaning up. This this was Dave Weiner. Uh, Browser vendors have no place trying to provide the user interface for RSS. If Google wants to help RSS, great. Here's how. Do the subscribe button. That's a good thing. But the result should be dynamic OPML subscription list that the user can provide to any reader app they want. This way, if someday Google abandons RSS again, everything can keep on ticking more or less. Inviting users to rely on them yet again shows that they have no sense of responsibility for the trust they betrayed in the past. He sounds a little butthurt about the Google reader thing, you think? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, Google is evil, but... I mean, come on. I, I I think that asking for a user experience that provides an OPML subscription list might be thinking a little too highly of the average web user. But I understand where he's going with that. Uh, it, Chrome needs to not be keeping these lists in a proprietary format, because the next time that Google wants to launch something that they decide to destroy all the open standards, they're going to screw everyone again. I, for one would not use Chrome to manage my RSS feeds in long term because of this. I, I don't know. Well, there are um, better ways to do it. That is, you know, although I guess if you're using Chrome on a day to day basis, then maybe you want something within Chrome. But uh, I, I, I agree. But I feel like it, it, I feel like it needs to have an open back end that can be you can switch out uh, for one thing. Uh, Chrome is not the only browser I use. Uh, I, I use I use Pale Moon. I use Firefox. I wait, use wait. Chromium. I, you use Chrome? Uh, well, I use Chromium. Um, I use Brave, which is Chrome. Uh, I have on occasion accidentally clicked on something that launched uh, Edge, which these days is Chromium. Against not, my will. You, but not actually Google Chrome, which is different still. No, no I don't have Google Chrome installed. Okay, I just wanted to verify but, that. But I, I mean, it, practically every browser out there is Chrome anymore. Well, the engine, yes. Yeah, but well, hopefully not sending back all of your information so from, to, to, to from, Google. from Google's blog post in announcing this. Uh, we're exploring how to simplify the experience of getting the latest and greatest from your favorite sites directly in Chrome, building on the Open RSS web standard. That's building on. That's embrace and extend. People used to hate Microsoft for that back in the day, but. Our vision is to help people build a direct connection with their favorite publishers and creators on the web. Uh, we do have a direct connection, Google. It's not through you, which might be what they're trying to fix. Well, doesn't everybody remember? Everybody was so mad that Microsoft dare include a browser with their operating system. 
also um uh through all of the pages that i read the chromium blog post the the medium article that i i thought was the best one that i i'll include in the show notes um the uh tech crunch uh something from the verge uh scripting.com which is dave weiner's i i you know i, I always read a bunch of sources not a single fucking one of them mentioned podcasts which by the way is the the main thing that has kept rss alive for the last eight years since google killed reader yeah it's the only thing i use it for i don't I mean i yeah. do not follow any blog type sites with rss at this point i mean they still may exist but it's not something that i don't think the normal internet user does that so the last thing they pointed out in their blog post is a plug for Google I.O. saying that if you have any questions or comments or feedback, we will be hosting a meetup at Google I.O. And here's where you can go and sign up for Google I.O. No, you, you, wait, you didn't go sign up for Google I.O. I did not. I am not quite that dedicated to bringing you news, but you that would be getting in the trenches. That would be doing work. <laughs> and also it would be subjecting myself to a bunch of Google propaganda. A lot of Google speak. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand why you wouldn't want to do that. So, yeah, uh, Chrome is Chrome is uh, going to bring back RSS. Uh, Google Plus died there. They they want to uh, give you a feature, but they want to make sure that it's proprietary. And I I am all for the idea of of making RSS a bigger part of the computing ecosystem out there, because I think it's a great technology that it, that can be easily decentralized. I am not a fan of of trying to present this as a browser feature because that's Google trying to centralize something that has been open. We'll just get a plugin, man. I, I bet there, I bet there's plugins that do that. In fact, I'm sure there's a lot, which is who, uh, which they're the ones that would be losing out the minute the, which again, oh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm so tired of all the, uh, you know, the hubbub when all this kind of stuff happens, like, Oh, you're trying to put the little guy out of business. Well, of course they're trying to put the little guy out of business. Well, the, the little guy who, who sets up their entire business model to be based on filling the holes in somebody else's larger program is pretty much setting up their model to be going out of business. You need to know that if, if, if there is a feature that is missing from some huge browser and you build a plugin to fill that feature that you could be completely deleted one day, as soon as they decide to fill the feature themselves, right? That's part of the, that's part of the model where you you build your business making plugins for someone else's product. Yeah. If you're really lucky, they come to you and go, we'd like to incorporate this with our base code and pay you. That would be cool, but that's not what happens. Well, no, usually they go, well, we can just pay somebody. Usually to they're like, uh, oh, oh, you put this source, you, you put this up on GitHub as a as a creative commons. Great. We're just going <laughs> to we're going to swipe it and put it into our base code. Thanks a lot. Right. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. That's how it works. But that's, I mean, there's a lot of systems that just don't work very well. And I know what else to, oh, yeah. And I've railed on this. I thought this was interesting. A Forbes article about how many drivers for Amazon, for Uber, and all of these other food delivery are not who they say they are and how easy it is to basically buy a false identity. Sure. To get one of these jobs, which is in like, my experience, they're all named Sandeep. <laughs> it's like this is exactly why I never would use one of these services to have people deliver me food. That you know, you just sits there in your little, uh, you know, pick up McDonald's for me. It's like no, 
or worse yet. Well, okay, yeah, McDonald's is is the part where you lost me on that one. But, <laughs> but I mean, even this, uh, you know, as an Uber driver getting into the car with somebody. I mean, again, I mean, maybe not for me as much, but if you're a you know female, you know, maybe not uh, six foot six and uh, you know burly and with a bad attitude. If you're a six foot six burly female, you're going to have a bad attitude. <laughs> yeah, but you could probably take the Uber driver then. <laughs> that's true but uh you know this is like very dangerous kind of stuff just how easy it is you know you don't really know who's bringing you the food to your house you don't know who's really driving your the uber that shows up for you and they were talking about how stupid well it's not stupid because it's all a cover your ass thing these companies what they basically fell for most of the time were bad photoshop jobs which is they talked about how some of these people generated these like fake driver's licenses and some of them were like well they you know they would get a job because our, our local liquor you company a, you don't need a bad photoshop job this person does not exist makes some pretty amazing photos that you can use for well, that. well no you see but you're taking a real id and putting your photo in to oh. make it look like okay. it, it exists well you used to have to do that with a razor blade and a, a laminating machine but yeah now they yeah. do it in photoshop and half the time you know if there's like the i think on our license here in illinois there is a smaller picture like in the corner like under a hologram they don't even change those because nobody ever looks at those but it was kind of a genius because some of these people i guess got jobs delivering liquor and our local liquor store here will deliver in an hour so i mean this is great home delivery but what they do then is they take a photo of the people's license it's like don't let have some assholes delivering you a bottle of whiskey and they're like just need to take a snap of your license no show it to them but do not let them fucking take a picture of your license. That sounds like a tremendous privacy in invasion. Yeah. But people probably don't think anything of it. Like, oh, well, this is just their system. Well, pe- pe- people don't think anything of most privacy invasions. That doesn't make them not a privacy invasion. And go right back to catfishing. You know, I mean, this yeah. is all what people will buy into, what people will believe. Uh, so, again, this yeah, is I'm, just- I'm, I'm, I'm now reaching the age where I need another fake ID that says I'm 21. Right. This is how you get into the better dating apps to pick up the women half your age. Is that what you're going for? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just make sure it's not a female fake ID. Like, well, it doesn't matter. That's a different app. Yeah, it's a whole different app. It's a whole different app. But, uh, you know, this to me just reinforced a lot of the stuff about how little security there actually is out there and how trusting people are. When you jump into a car, especially with somebody, you know, this is not the same as getting into a cab because the cabbies actually have to be vetted. You know, I understand there are times where maybe somebody's behind the wheel. Well, that, that, shouldn't that industry is regulated out the ass. In fact, it's so overregulated that it led to the ride sharing services. Yeah. But now you're just asking. And, and now and now we're looking at the ride sharing service and going, well, maybe a little bit of regulation might have been the way to go. Yeah. That would be a little bit better. And speaking of privacy violations, this was from 9to5Mac. 10% of Brits had their location tracked without their permission after they got vaxxed. So I thought this was great. Excellent. Yeah. I, I mean, oh. It's like this, uh, you know, they wanted to see the government. And it geolocated every single one of them in the United Kingdom. Yeah. The government wanted to know, okay, after people, uh, after they get the vax. Are they more likely to be out and about more in public? And I guess rather than having people opt how, in, how were they being tracked? Is it is this is this an install an app and have it send us your data, or is it 
Uh, like, are they actually being tracked through the shot? Because I've definitely <laughs> seen conspiracy theories that somehow the shot installs a microchip that communicates with satellite or something. And I'm just saying the sunburn you would get if your microchip is emitting enough power to communicate to a satellite is you, you'd feel it. It just says that a report from the Committee of Government Scientists admitted the data from one in 10 people's phones were tracked in February without the owner's express knowledge. I don't know if they just picked like 10% of the population at random to kind of see what was going on. And I don't even know how they would know that the people were vaccinated or not. I mean, it could just be we know vaccines are starting, so let's see if the public is starting to act differently. I wonder if they just uh, they they got the ten you know the ten percent by uh, they were just scanning the EXIF data in the photos people took of their vaccination Ooh, tattoos. That see now that would be possible. And we, again, we've warned against this because there was one of the sites like after after you got your vaccination and then you went ahead and got a tattoo of a band aid over the vac site. Uh, <laughs> where where did you take the photo? <laughs> well, yeah, the photos could at least put you in the. Uh, Put you in a location now that this isn't even more, uh, you know, because here I just walked into a target when I got mine. So no big deal. And nobody would know what you're in the target yeah, for. You you did more than, you know. Yeah, probably. But there are there were locations, you know, here in the Chicago area and elsewhere that were dedicated vac sites. So you're right. They could have been like, oh, wait, this phone was at the vac site for 20 minutes. So most likely, you know, they got stabbed and jabbed and it wouldn't be hard to do. Your phones tell them everything yeah, about you. I, I, the, the phones are such that that's the best argument, by the way, when people are like, oh, they're injecting microchips in you so that they can track you everywhere. Like, Why? no, they're just having you carry a microchip around in your pocket that they can track you with. Yeah. I mean, name one. Well, you can name yourself. But how many of the people that you Duarte. know do not take their phone with them when they leave the house? Uh. Well, I mean, Dvorak's the only other person I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, but you don't know he doesn't take it when he le- when it's at when he's home, it's in the drawer. But I bet you when he goes out, he takes the phone. But I do know that he'll just like me, he never leaves the house. Well, see, that's it's, it's way easier to track you then. Yes, I can yes, track. You. I'm I'm untrackable because <laughs> I don't take my phone everywhere. But I'm a little bit trackable because you know where I'm going to be anyway. There's a satellite over your house. They're like, did he leave today? No. Did he leave no. today? No. Did he leave today? No. They don't need a satellite. They've got my my Amazon sidewalk neighborhood full of <laughs> ring doorbells that just tell every. Oh, this person left their house. We can tell he walked here. And in fact, you know, uh, you're walking with a little bit of a limp, and you are two point three percent slower than yesterday. So you need to get a. Uh, you know, you probably get your knee looked at, and uh, you need to get out and shed some of those Christmas pounds because we think you're looking a little. I. I oh yeah. Amazon sidewalk frightens the hell out of me. You know, if I'm going to leave the house, unless I'm really trying to play the super agent man, uh, I'm I'm going out the front door and I'm usually leaving in a car. But almost there was no reason for me, unless I'm totally paranoid, to leave out the back of the house. And even then, you don't know what kind of cameras are out the back. But you're absolutely right. If our neighbor right across the street has a ring doorbell. Anytime anybody comes or goes from my house, it's caught on camera because it's got a clear view of my front door and our driveway. So if you think you got privacy, it doesn't even matter what you're doing, which is one of those first episodes of Grumpy Old Ben's and one of random thoughts. That was my whole 
argument at this point is can you even have privacy because it makes no, it doesn't matter if you got a cell phone it doesn't matter if you got when you leave it at home it doesn't matter what you do if you leave your house you're going to be tracked there are license plate cameras all over the place there are readers that can read your thing if you have one of these the devices for paying tolls like we have to have here in chicago now that they don't have real people working the tollway so now either you have to have one of the little devices that emits the radio signal or Every time you use the tollway, oh, yeah. you have to jump through the hoops of then going on their website, putting in your uh, number of your license plate and paying it, which is more. And it's a real pain in the ass. So you walk into a Home Depot, you're being tracked. You walk into a grocery store, you're being tracked. Well, I, especially since I'm the only person walking in that the facial recognition works on because I refuse to cover myself. Right. They're like, we know who he is. No mask. Yeah. Um. I, we have around here, you, you were talking about the tollway. We have around here uh, a concept of some uh, HOT lanes, high occupancy slash toll. Oh, I thought this was just where the hot people drive. No, uh, it, uh, it turns out not many of them. No, <laughs> uh, but the the lane is uh, during rush hour and during the day. It is uh, it is an HOV lane or a toll lane. So if you're single, if you're solo in the car, you can pay through their the the little RFID sticker on the windshield. Uh, but in order to use it as an HOV lane, you still need that sticker or their system is going to bill you anyway. So if I'm, I, I, I don't have the tracking sticker on my car, uh, be, mostly because of historical reasons, but I also don't spend a lot of time on the roads that have this, the, the tollways that have this. Right. But I, I, ha- I can't use an HOV lane, even if I have four people in my car, because I don't have their special tracking ticker uh, or ticket. But, at nighttime, it switches over to a free only lane. Uh, and the reason this happened is because when they put the lane in, there were a couple places where it was, it would have been too expensive to widen the freeway. So they ended up taking out when they put in this HOT lane, they took out one of the normal lanes of the freeway just so that they could put this in, which, uh, if you are a single solo commuter means that, that this trying to improve the throughput of the freeway, they took away capacity. A lot of people didn't like that. So. They said, okay, well, we'll, we'll put it back overnight. So when I do drive late at night, I'll use that lane. But the thing is, they still, even though the lane is free for all and they're not even, they're not, they're still taking the photo of every car that goes by. You can see the flash at night every single time. So I have got into the habit of right before I drive underneath that thing, I will pull down the visor and pull my arm up and just completely cover my face and drive under. And there's the flash. And then I'll put it back up and keep driving. And so I, I know that the State Department of Transportation is going to have a lot of pictures of me with the license plate of my Buick and a dude covering his face with the, his arm. They're like, what's in, this in guy a, doing in an Aloha Hawaiian shirt? <laughs> well, at least it's buttoned at this point. I mean, that's at least nice. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. You kind of wonder what kind of other crazy things people do as they're going through these. Kind of like, you know, the Disney parks where you're, you know, where the part of the ride where it's going to snap your oh, picture yeah. and people do all sorts of crazy things. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, for some reason, they uh, they they seem don't seem to publish the dick out shots anymore. No, I don't know why, but uh, <laughs> this is what people do. It's, you got. Yeah, they're bored. They want to get their picture. So the taken. Last thing I've got is uh, that Tim Apple gave closing testimony at the Apple versus Epic trial. You mean Tim on, Cook? 
You always call uh, him he, Tim Apple. Some people might be confused yeah. <laughs> about who Tim Apple is. I, I anybody who understands Apple knows who. Uh, anyway, yeah, Tim Cook uh, gave the you know because they they opened with Tim Schaefer, uh, and they upgraded they, Tim's. Yeah, and then they then they went to Tim Apple. I mean Tim Cook for the closing testimony. Um, and I pulled some quotes out of this. He he was doing. And we've we've already given most of the arguments that were given, but uh, some of the quotes uh, it were it, uh, downright uh, a little creepy. Um, let's see. Uh, giving user control creates risk. People choose iOS specifically so that they won't have to make risky decisions with sensitive data. Right. Uh, we're trying to give customers an integrated solution of hardware, software, and services. I just don't think you replicate that in a third-party store. Uh, well, he's right be, about that, but that doesn't I, mean it's the correct way to go. It, it would be both insecure and inconvenient to let apps process payments separately. Not wrong there either. But again, that doesn't uh, mean it's the solution people want. So, yeah, I, I just pulled those quotes. Uh, Apple believes that they have to take the choice away from users in order to make them more secure. There are a lot of users who are really into that sort of thing, and they're not entirely wrong with any of it. But this is exactly why I don't use Apple products. No, but we talked about the solution on the last show when I said, well, it's very simple. Then make this your default. But if somebody wants to have a different app store, they click a button. They click OK, they click accept, I, and then boom, you no honestly, longer have that's, to. That's 75 percent of what Epic is t- asking for in this lawsuit. Yeah. I mean, that's see, This is where Apple not wanting to do that is they're full of crap, because I think the only person you're hurting at that point, if you do lower your safety level, if you want to buy that and you may because you may get a uh, an app that hasn't been blessed by Apple, that is just complete malware. But. Usually at that point, it's your device that's pwned. It's you that's going to pay the price and sure. not Apple. And you've already clicked the little thing saying, by installing this other app store, you, anything that happens to your phone, you're on your own. Sure. I, I rooted my Samsung and I sure as hell don't go to Samsung or Google if something bad happens on it, partly because they wouldn't be any help. Great. But, like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> well, or, or more likely, you know, with Google, it's like, uh, yeah, you, you, do you think you're going to. Hey, good luck trying to find a customer service number, but it, I, I I accept the risk. I'm like, yeah, I want power over my device, and I accept the risk of what happens with it. Okay, and Apple is not willing, and I I understand their philosophy. I definitely don't agree with it. Apple is not willing to allow their users to accept risk for their own devices, and therefore, if you pay money uh, and an, an impressive amount of money for a brand new iPhone. You don't own that phone because Apple are the ones who get to tell you what you can and can't do with it. And that is not a deal I'm willing to make, which is why I don't use Apple. But I, I, a lot of people are totally into that sort of thing. They're like, I don't want to think about it. I just want it to be safe and secure. And if Apple could deliver safe and secure, their argument would be really solid. Yeah. And I have an iPhone because I got it free. I still use the uh, Samsung as my daily driver. But I will say that. I've had iPhones in the past as well. I never, I mean, I did jailbreak them because that's what I do, but it wasn't in order to make it do something that it wasn't. It was just because, well, let's see how this works. And for a vast majority of the people, like my parents. So you can install a BitTorrent client, don't lie. Well, I've never done that on the phone, but my parents are both on Apple iPhones and it's just simple. It's work. It works. They don't have to think about anything. And I think that's who Apple is kind of for. 
where they're not they're not really for the tinkerers. I mean, if you want the phone to do something that it can't do out of the box, you're not choosing it in the first place. And I don't think what Epic is fighting for here has anything to do with that. Their point is simply more. I don't want to pay you. And I can respect that. But it's, it's that's very capitalistic of them. Yeah. And I, I mean, I get it. But, you know, all of these other arguments about safety. I mean, th- anybody that knows anything knows Apple is full of crap because, as we talked about in the last show, and if you missed the last show, I think it was actually one of the better shows we've done recently because there were some good topics in there. And, you know, just talking about the fact that the people in Apple pretty high up the level were like, yeah, our security sucks. Paraphrasing. But that was the uh, that was the takeaway that even the people that are higher up in Apple know that their security sucks. So using this as your defense, which is we're keeping people safe, doesn't really hold water. Once once a, a judge grants discovery of internal emails, you can find all sorts of awesome gems because Apple employees, most of whom are people. Have different. Wait, how opinions. many aren't people? Well, we don't know. They're they're very secretive, but they have differing opinions. There's always going to be somebody who says, "Oh, this product is terrible," or you know, people who are are giving an honest assessment, but might be lacking in a little bit of tact. Not that I know what that's about, uh, and say things like, uh, "Our security is crap." Um, I, there was times, especially when when we were, you know, Microsoft was starting to get. Uh, hit by lawsuits of various times we'd have the occasional email come out from upper level management saying oh and you need to make sure that you watch what you say in emails because those emails could be found in discovery and you don't want your email to be brought up in court as an example that gets microsoft to lose a judgment that's how you lose a job in quite often more. and that wasn't stated but that was definitely implied <laughs> well yeah and this now with any of these apps there was another story that i had for today which was just how many applications in the google play store i mean so we can turn this right around and go well you know there's obviously a huge problem when it comes to apps and protecting people's uh, privacy because a lot of the times it just doesn't work but it was a uh let's see here this was from bleeping computer Data from 100 plus million Android users exposed via misconfigured cloud services. And they were talking about how much of this data was private messages, you know, email type things. Uh, A lot of things you wouldn't want to get into the hands of anybody but who you were communicating with. And this has been a grumpy old Ben staple. People rely. Yeah. And people rely. Right. And and, uh, encryption because people rely on. Oh. I'm texting you. I'm texting Ryan. Nobody's going to see that. Just Ryan. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> nobody who doesn't have a, a, a $25 scanner is going to be able to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Big Sky Rider puts it in quotes, misconfigured. And in, in these cases, a lot of them were because, well, you know, they're doing the least possible to get the stuff working. But I mean, the scanners you bring up, I, think I mean, the least possible is called unconfigured. Yeah. Well, uh, I remember when, and this this just means this is another way to see how old we are. I remember when cordless phones first came out for in-home use, not cell phones, but just the cordless phones. Oh, yeah. Which uh, the, I mean, uh, the, the first one that I ever had, uh, you if somebody was on the phone, 
you would get yelled at if you started the microwave oven. Right. Right. Well, yeah, same. Uh, it's in the same uh, bandwidth for what that was going to be uh, using. But you remember the early ones where they were kind of like a brick, like the early cell phones. But the early ones for uh, for the home cordless stuff, most of them had telescoping antennas, which you'd like oh, pull yeah. out. And it's a long whip antenna. Yeah, you want to you want to see uh, old man Bemrose get really cranky? Go ahead and and take the the brand new cordless phone and start uh, extend the telescoping antenna and play lightsabers with them. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna bend that thing, and that, that ain't gonna be no good. But I remember no, and they don't bend back. No, they do not. They do not bend back. But those phones were not encrypted at all. So if you had a scanner. No. Which were easy to get. I worked at Radio Shack, man. You'd have one of these scanners. You could hear anybody because uh, we lived in a townhouse at yeah. that time. And uh, right after I got married, your da- and- neighbors talking on the yeah, your neighbors are talking on the phone. Well, or, or um, you didn't even need a scanner. Sometimes if you just got the same model of phone, right, right, <laughs> right. Because if you're close enough and don't know the difference, uh, they got a little better after that with like doing a handshake, but. The frequencies they were using were not encrypted. So if you knew the frequencies of your neighbor's phone, you could just keep those, scan through them all the time. And once somebody was on the phone, you could just listen right in. And uh, that uh, we've come a long way, kind of. But this is very similar when people are using apps to communicate that yeah, we, are we've not come secure. a long way. Now, now you and I are communicating right now and people are listening in. Yeah, they're listening in. But we tell them you we're listening. Which is the difference. Uh, I do believe our communication, if we were not broadcasting right now on the No Agenda stream, we do these shows live Monday and Friday, noon Eastern, noagendastream.com, or just click the little button on grumpyoldbens.com where it says live at the on the right-hand side of the page. But if we weren't connected to the No Agenda stream right now, and you were, you and I were recording this podcast direct, our communication is encrypted. So allegedly, nobody in between could just pick up on this data and listen in. Not that we would no, care. Nobody in can, nobody in between could get the raw communication data and then put it in audacity and master their own MP3 of the podcast that we're going to release anyway. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, this is also a way if you want to have conversations with somebody and you want to do it in a voice manner, then you don't want to be using your normal cell phone. You don't want to be using Skype. You want to be using something like talks. I mean, I know some people believe in other stuff like Telegram and Signal and all that. But anytime there's a company attached to them, I, you know, I get a little. But, but what, what about what, what would you say to all the people who have say they have nothing to hide? <laughs> Just wait till tomorrow when something yeah. you said today, which you don't think anything of, will be used against you. This is the world we're going to where it is every little thing is going to be reevaluated. And it's going to be reevaluated out of context, which is why any of us podcasters were already screwed. Because oh, yes. You could take any little thing out like you did for me when I was talking about, you know, hey, Hitler was right. Well, see, that's <laughs> all you need right there. You know, oh, it's great. It's- I, I, you could take any podcast out there, any podcaster and just chop them up and uh, you get them to say all kinds of like you're making me sound like a total jerk. Right. And it's easy to do, and you don't know when this is going to be used against you or how it's going to be used against you. 
your little tweets and toots and all your Instagram posts. Fortunately, podcasters have a natural immunity to being sued out of everything they own. And that is they're podcasters. They don't own anything. Right. We have nothing and we are entertainers. It is obvious. Do not take any of this stuff. Seriously, we do not give legal advice. We do not give financial advice. I mean, we barely give tech advice. I yeah, I only give Apple advice. That's it. Well, you love Tim Apple. He's your uncle or something, isn't he? Or something or something. You're like the bastard child. Get in on that. Uh, get in on a lawsuit. Cut. Get cut in on some of that. I, you sweet know, if there's Apple money, money to be had, I, I, I'm definitely in. Oh, well, yeah, he was my uncle. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's, let's go with that. Let's cut Bemrose in on some of that sweet, sweet Apple money. Do you got anything else? I've run out. You've run out. So it's like a royal uh, uh, a royal um, encounter. Episode. Uh, GitHub enabled video uploads. GitHub enabled video uploads. What does that do? Um, actually, you'd pretty much just got all of the useful information. <laughs> this <laughs> one came from the GitHub blog. Uh, they, the the reason that they're recommending is they they want to talk about uh, if you have to uh, uh, repro steps or you know, hey, I tried it and I clicked this button and and here's a video of me clicking the button and then the world exploding. Um, and then they also say, well, and sometimes you need to collaborate and. Uh, you know, in, in today's online world. And so, um, I, it, it, I mean, it's a very Microsoft way to move GitHub forward, but they are, they are very happy that you can now upload an MP4 to GitHub and attach it to a GitHub issue or uh, a change log or a, a pull request. Oh, that, cold that, assets that you can do a screen recording and it makes it actually useful. So that makes a yeah. little sense. The screen recordings of the repros is the only part that I think is really useful. And, in the past, I've seen lots of people will will go ahead and screen record and then post it to to YouTube or or BitChute or any kind of and then just post a link, which is good enough. But being able to upload it to GitHub, I guess, is good. I I, I don't know. They they made a huge deal out of it. I I honestly, well, the first time I saw it, I was like, wait, that wasn't already a feature. But sometimes like things said, should have been features a long time ago. So, as I said, I had nothing. <laughs> You've got nothing. But see, Cold Acid is a professional programmer, and we will divert, divert to him for such information. And you should listen to his podcast, rareencounter.net. Yes. And, 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 and this is the part where if, if we had drops, I would be dropping the, uh, the one I clipped out of Rare Encounter a while back. It's like, Cold Acid doesn't matter. You know you're listening to Rare Encounter when there's a lot of background hiss and static. They're, they make you feel like you're listening now, to AM radio. That's just Abel Kirby's voice. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. That's, that's foreground hiss and stuff. Okay. I will. I will check I into that. Up. Hey, but I should you know shut what? up and you know what? I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop ragging on Abel Kirby the moment he becomes an expert. Yeah, and Abel Kirby. I mean, you're invited onto the show as well for whatever kind of pain and punishment we can offer to you. But we will be back on uh, Friday with another grumpy old Ben's. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. And I have been coming to you from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the weather is heating up, which just means more bullets and more barbecue. And from America's left coast, where we strip the exit data from this podcast for your privacy and security. I'm Ryan Bemrose.